This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. 2019 is coming to a close, and we're proud to be celebrating five years and more than 300 episodes of Fashion Is Your Business. In 2020, we'll have all new exciting episodes that offer everything you've loved about the show over the years. But some conversations are timeless, as relevant today as they were when they first occurred. We've continued to give you a chance to listen again, or maybe the first time, to some of the standout, timeless conversations we've had over the last five years. One of these conversations was an on-air challenge about emotional intelligence in female apparel retail, with Purva Gupta, the co-founder of Lily, a shopping app using emotional intelligence to connect women with clothing that makes them look and feel their best. Perva joined Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, Elon Tito, and me, Mark Rako, for an on-air challenge, which is a recorded and comprehensive paid consultation on business development. Since the date of that recording, Lily has gone on to great success and many recognitions as a powerful new solution in digital commerce. I think you'll get a lot out of listening to this episode. Enjoy. You are listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Recorded on location. Hi, my name is Purva Gupta and I'm the co-founder of Lily. Uh, what I love about fashion technology is the whole opportunity to use emotional intelligence to be able to connect women with clothing that absolutely makes them look and feel their best. And now, here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako. We're very happy you're here with us today. And I'm also very happy that with me is Mr. Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. And also pretty happy that Mr. Pavan Ball is here, hey, too. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Pavan. And uh, I'm doubly happy that Mr. Elon Tito, a member of our team, is once again on the mic with us. Welcome back, Elon. Thank you, and hello. All right. So Elon, uh, uh, just uh, for some uh, reminder, is uh, an e-commerce and retail strategy specialist on our team. And uh, he's been asked to join in today uh, because of his particular area of expertise. Uh, and, of course, we also love you, Elon, and love having you on the mic, that too. Uh, and uh, we'd like to welcome our guest, Purva Gupta, who, again, is the co-founder of Lily. Welcome to Fashion Is Your Business and the On Air Challenge, Purva. Glad to have you. It's my pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much for inviting. Of course. Let's start out like we always do. Give us a, uh, let's call it an elevator pitch, a Reader's Digest thumbnail sketch of what your business is all about and a little bit about who you are. Absolutely. At Lily, we've built a product that helps women find clothes that flatter their body and also make them feel their best. These are clothes from their favorite stores, both online and offline. We have built what we call emotional intelligence technology that is able to understand a woman's emotions and perceptions about her body. And then in real time, we are able to map that to products from their favorite stores that they can um, immediately buy. So either online or in the store. 
Very good. All right. We can't wait to dive very, very deep into all of that and much more in just a moment. Uh, Some very quick housekeeping, everybody. A simple reminder that you can follow us like many people do uh, on social media. Uh, We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. And we encourage you to also check out uh, our other shows, American Fashion Podcast, and our soon-to-be-launched Beauty is Your Business and Material is Your Business as well as, uh, and of course, the, the many other shows that we launched on the Mouth Media Network very shortly. All right, let's get to it. Let's start here. Can you uh, fill us in on what has inspired the company? Absolutely. So I think on a more personal level, um, I I started this because I did have a personal experience. So as a teen, um, I suffered from inferiority complex because I was born in a small town and went to a day boarding school where um, I I made myself believe that I'm less than others. And be- because of that inferiority complex, I suffered severe stammering. And the only way that I came out of that stammering was that I started conditioning my mind to feel beautiful by by doing things like, you know, wearing nail paint and kind of glass and heels and wearing good clothes and make, really conditioning my mind to feel beautiful. And, and so what happened out of that experience has had such a huge impact on my life because there was an insecurity that got built, which I overcame. And the how empowered I felt because of that, because it changed my life. And so I think that was playing in my mind as I was going through as I was scratching the surface of this idea. And so so that's why I think I also feel very personally connected to, to what we're building at Lilly. So I came to New York about three and a half, three years back. And I started working with UNICEF. We were setting up a venture capital fund. But New York happened to me. I had aspired of all these big brands all my life as I grew up in India. But when I came here and I bought my first Tory Burches and Kate Spades of the world... There was a lot of excitement, but when the excitement settled down, I started observing my own my own feelings and my thoughts and what I was thinking while I was shopping in these physical stores, more so physical stores. And I, it felt like the products are at the center of the entire experience versus me. And it felt like the shopping experience is unintelligent again and again to understand what I was looking for last time, what I'm looking at now. And I have all these micro thoughts in my mind while, while it is being marketed to me as, um, you know, clothes on, on sale or, or the new collection or which is all great. But at the same time, I'm having such a hard time trying to find what is the best for me in this store? What should I buy? And I have all these micro thoughts in my mind that I have all the time, again and again, every single time that I come to the store and nobody's trying to understand that. And so that was the, the, those were the first few thoughts that nudged me to go deeper, to to scratch the surface of the shopping experience that, and especially clothes shopping. And so what I did was that I left my job at UNICEF, I moved to Silicon Valley, I joined this incubator, and for the next six months, all that I did every single day was just to talk to American women. I realized that I'm an alien in this country as an I'm, I am an immigrant. And so I spoke to American women about what they were feeling or what they were thinking last time that they were buying clothes either online or in physical stores. And and those six months actually became more than 
you know, 10,000 hours that I spent with women just probing into this one question that I've done over the last two years. And I found a beautiful insight out of those thousands of conversations, which is more than 95% women were looking for clothes that would hide certain parts of their body that they're not most comfortable with and accentuate certain parts of their body that they are most comfortable with. And so with that insight, I sat with a lot of social psychologists, behavioral psychologists, fashion psychologists to understand why does that happen? And what I found is that it's actually in human behavior. Girls at the age of two as babies start recognizing themselves in the mirror. And since that time, they start disliking parts of their body. And during their teenage, they're making all these perceptions about their body, which is all relative. So they look at their moms, magazines, celebrities, and start thinking that, okay, my arms are like this, or I have a tummy, because thank God there is no manual for human body. And so you start making these perceptions. And as you enter, um, as you start, as you enter the workforce or, or uh, st- start establishing your identity, these things become insecurities, where you say that, oh, I don't like to wear that because that doesn't look good on me or I look like this and that. And that was our light bulb moment where we said that if women live with their perceptions for, if they shop with their perceptions, why can't we understand that first and then match them to products just so that there is going to be a higher likelihood of them, of us finding the clothes that they are going to like. So we're not really reducing, we're not taking away the hunt of finding clothes. What we are just making, what we're just doing is we're making those two hours that you want to spend just more useful and more fun without you feeling that my body is bad or just because you're not able to get to the right clothes in a store. Can you uh, walk through um, the actual uh, like consumer, like your customer journey with the product? So. And maybe if I can even elaborate on, on that, I think from, from my perspective, what, what I love about your product and why this is exciting is because you start with why. So a lot of people have tackled product recommendation and it's all association. and It's also like fit, this. style, all this stuff, right? I mean, nobody seems to have gotten it right. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, and it's a, an ever-ending quest, but mm-hmm. you're starting from literally the customer's head. And why? Why do they... Th- why do they perceive something in a certain way? And it's their emotions and perceptions that then drive why they like the product. And, and that's the starting point. And so that, that I think is, is innovative and exciting and powerful if it's, if it's done right. And that is almost by definition a very compelling value proposition because you're literally starting with why and a problem. And if you do that right and prove to someone that they can trust you to do that, like they're, they're yours. You, you have it. You're really doing something. So how do you, going back to Pavan's uh, question, go from literally a perception or emotion in someone's head to that Kate Spade bag that you saw and what's, what's the journey in between? Fantastic question. So I'll, I'll try and describe our technology. So we have basically built three key engines. Our core engine is the perception and empathy engine. That's what we call it. So where we are chat, which is just a normal conversation. So Lily is actually fun to chat with. We're getting some really amazing Emmy Award writers um, to, to kind of write Lily's personality in these conversations. It's a simple, normal conversation that you would, it's a fun conversation that you would have with a friend. And through those first 120 seconds of conversation that a user has with Lily, we are able to create their perception map of their entire body. And so what that helps us do is, and as the conversation is building, we create like a universe 
of the user's, uh, you know, perceptions and emotions about their body. So, and then, so that's the first engine. Then the second engine is the styling engine. As you guys will agree with me, there is a way to dress a woman that is going to flatter her body. There is objective science to do that. The, the cut, fit, color, everything has an impact on how every part of the body looks. And so that, all of that objective uh, science, which we see as hacks, as users, we see as hacks in all these articles, five ways to do that and all that. Those millions of hacks we've put together into an algorithm that is just an objective science. So from the first universe that we've created of the user, which is her perception universe, then in that universe, we put the styling logic, which, so, which means that if she thinks that her height is like this, or she perceives her bust to be like this, then what's the best way to style that? What are the best, you know, cuts, fabrics, and millions of other attributes that we take? What's the best way to do that? And then the third engine is basically our feature extraction engine, where what we are able to do is, let's say a retailer releases a new uh, spring collection tomorrow. Within a few minutes, we are able to take that entire catalog and put it through our system, embellish it with all these attributes that we need for the first and second engine, so that it's immediately ready for the user to be, uh, to be able to kind of, so that Lily can recommend it to them. This is our newest engine. And one more comment that I will make on this is, like you mentioned, so for the first two years of our business, we just focused on the first two engines, where we, like I said, we were talking to women on one side, and we were just sharpening our algorithms every single day. And so we have that head start of kind of getting that algorithm right, getting those, like sharpening our, our, our first two engines to an extent that, you know, we did a private beta recently where we got phenomenal conversion rates. One in three Lily users in our private beta has already bought from the platform. And, and, and so once we got that, then we, then we tackled the scalability problem, which is that, okay, how do we get this? How do we get to a point where this is across retailers, across seasons, across different types of users that we can do this? And so, yeah. So right now it's inside of the Lily app. Um, is that where you want to keep it? You mentioned uh, retailers and working with them. How is that relationship going to look? So right now we're using the affiliate network to do this, which is that we take inventories through the affiliate networks. Um, we do want to go work with retailers directly because there is this other feature on Lily that we have, uh, that we have tested in the private beta, which is reserve in store. So because through affiliate networks, again, we have access to the real-time inventory of stores. So all 353 stores of Nordstrom's, we know what they are carrying. And so since the user can do such stuff, and so... Uh, we now want to build direct relationships with retailers so that we can we can uh, monetize both our online and offline offering. So, so beyond right now, you're working with the affiliate. That's uh, my assumption is because it's the easiest way to get that test going um, and you know track the conversion, whatever it might be. Uh, and you're talking about maybe going in the future for reserve and store. What are some of the other uh, strategies that you're looking to go down? So. Um, we are absolutely exploring all different types of relationships that we could build with the retailers to directly work with them just because of, you know, better data and also, um, you know, tracking the, the, the whole purchase funnel to what, what we were able to convert for them. And so, but the one thing that we did hear from our, from our users in the private beta was that 
All of these personal questions that Lily is asking and building this relationship with, they may or may not be comfortable sharing that on a retailer's website or on a on a retailer's mobile app, just because for the last 10 years, retailers have been giving them recommendations. So there is already some level of uh, trust or mistrust that is there on what they will recommend. Unless it is something that, unless the tall promise is made that, hey, we understand you or or like how Lily does, takes them through a new new journey to to make them understand that this we are not going to show you anything that we think is, um, you know, just because of advertising or marketing or some of those things. And so, so, um, because we are, we have, we have built this company just to make sure that we're able to solve the fundamental problem for the user. And so from a business model perspective, we are evaluating as to if we work with a retailer, kind of put it on their website or on their mobile phones, how does it work for the user? We do not want to end up in a situation where it's a false negative and, um, that the user doesn't get to use it or doesn't trust it already. My user is saying one thing, but from a monetization perspective, like working with a retailer to say that, okay, put it on your website or in your mobile phone, we'll, you know, give me, like, you know, it's easier to make money on that. Um, If my user is saying that we're not going to share all this information and also separately with each retailer as they go, like from one website to the other. It seems to me like um, what you're running into here is kind of like with... uh, let's say a Gore-Tex to use a, an example, like they had to establish themselves externally from the brand and then the brand brings them in as Gore-Tex and the trust comes from the Gore-Tex brand. Um, the other thing is that you can build a white label integrated solution where the user enters their information in Lily and they can then access their own profile across multiple sites rather than building it so that they have to re-enter on every site. So it's, it's less of a, white label plugin and more of a labeled and power right right? yeah right and if you start looking at that then you can control that conversation with the customer and the the argument you make to the brand is there is distrust because we know that there is distrust um and you can make it in a gentle way but you can basically say because of that we can be an intermediated third party that provides the trust again. I mean, essentially, if you're talking about conversion rates of 33%, uh, if that's sustained beyond beta, uh, that's a really great story. Um, and that, that just shows that people trust the platform. And to your point, you don't want to isolate or um, yeah, or, or do anything that would cause any friction between you and your client. I think getting back to the brand perspective, it's going to be very difficult to basically have a, a brand play without them licensing the technology for themselves. This is so core to what they're doing. This literally is merchandising and uh, the whole experience on their site. So to let that go or to have a login that they can't control and data they can't control, mm. you, you have to make a like a mind blowing kind of case for it through either they can retain customers, better acquisition, but you're not necessarily going to them with, it's not a customer acquisition play for them. Um, So to me, that's just another potential business model of licensing this to, to brands. But I see it kind of difficult in, in, in terms of doing it. uh, But how, how would she provide some checks and balances so that, you know, they are not now suggesting through the app, uh, items that Lily necessarily wouldn't populate. 
Because um, I think that is the that that's the concern on the Lily app side is that they're using the technology, but then also plugging in maybe some special promotions that generally wouldn't be fe- fed that way. It's basically how do you maintain the trust inside? How do you, of yeah, it? exactly. Like let them have some sort of creative direction, um, but but yeah. not alter. Well, this is where I think if if the user experience is seamless the data on the back end can go wherever it needs to go. And the the key is going to be the user having that perception of trust, I think. Um, I mean, essentially, how important is it to you to, to have retailers use something that's called Lily versus it not at all? And just, again, going back to Elon's point is, you know, let them leverage your white label product however they best suit i mean for them it's it's simple you're populating things that you know from an emotional uh, emotional iq side will actually um resonate with their customer base now they can go ahead and choose to to select out of those five or six recommendations maybe one or two based on some of the current partnerships that they might have um I don't see why you so wouldn't want to. It's more from the user's yeah, perspective. The, that's a bad user case, right? Yeah, it's it's. I think it's not about retailer or Lily. It's about the user. Does the user want to share all that information again and again? Mm-hmm. Because the retailer, yeah. of, like, if it's done just to a retailer, there is no in- information sharing that's Correct. going to happen. So for the user, they have to do it again and again on different places that they shop at or want. I mean that spoils some part of the experience. How much, how much data are you taking in in those 120 seconds that you mentioned? This so, is a Chrome plugin. Yeah, yeah. And N- not necessarily. So, I mean, 120 seconds is how we start. Sure. But it's a relationship that is getting built. So Over time, okay. So let's say, you know, uh, mm, a woman yeah. is pregnant, for example, or goes through some changes in her body. So our technology, because of her interaction with Lily, is able to understand that there is something that has changed because you are suddenly not liking the products that you used to like before. Mm-hmm. And so because of um, the way we use machine learning to to be able to do this and over time, and so all of that information about the user's location context, their, um, of course, about their body and that occasion context, whatever is happening, it's a relationship that is being built. It's like this virtual person whose job is to just find stuff that flatters you. Absolutely. And, now, are and you very taking kind of purchasing unbiased. history from when you're talking about the data that you want to aggregate from retailers? Is that the purchasing data? No, it's just the inventory data. Because, um, like I said before, that you know we we are more focused on um, not just what was you know purchased or browsed, but more understanding, um, you know, products like, I mean, from retailers, we want to get the updated inventories, clean data directly. Um, that's most important. The rest that we have to do, we've built our own tech on top of that. So, um, it will be helpful to get their, their purchase and browse data. I think that's hygiene. But on top of that, what we have built is that we re-embellish that data so that it can go through our engines and then, uh, in real time be available for the user to um, see it or get recommended by Lily. The thing is, you do need the purchase behavior, right? You need the order that resulted um, you know, down to the SKU level. And then also you, you ultimately need the return data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really critical yeah, to, I think to, the to what you're doing. Yeah, I think the return is almost more important. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think what I'm just saying is that we can, it would be great to have that data, but we can even do without that and build it from scratch our own self. I mean, of course, it would be 
just awesome to get that data. But how can you get the return data yourself? Because uh, our users buy within the app. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean, my so initial... we get our own data. Uh, I mean, when they're returning. You're, you're constrained, though, there, because it's... It's only your app. It's only your app. You, you would right. have to work with the retailers yeah. for this to be a, a Absolutely. Big Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to see... It's going to be a very difficult time for you to scale on your own without the, the retailers implementing directly. Um, so I think you need to get over that first. Um, there are ways to do it, and I'm sure um, we can flesh those out um, where it doesn't compromise or alienate your your client base but ultimately if the recommendation engine is as effective as you're saying then your clients are also going to meaning the customers are also going to appreciate the fact that it's integrated at j crew or at Saks fifth avenue because then they're also receiving uh, more targeted item suggestions that save them time um, you know, that allow them to discover products that are perfect for them. So I think overall, if you're thinking about your customer, um, they're, they're not going to, my, my instinct is saying that they're not going to alienate because, uh, they are going to be receiving that value from the retail side and you're not going to be able to get money without Absolutely. It. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question around that. The beauty of Lily is that we're built on the existing retail infrastructure, which is that we don't manufacture, we mm. want you to find clothes from your favorite stores. Yeah. And, and, and in all that I've said uh, of, of how we want to work with the retailers, we just want to make sure that the user is still getting the quality sure. that, that, that they get. And whatever is the way, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we have to yeah. now find, um, that, that we can work with the retailers. And affiliate's good for a beta. It's not that's a business. Right. That's right. Right? So you're going to, ha- I mean, you're going to have to find other robust pipelines for revenue and you know Absolutely. this seems perfect for a license play especially with um you know, the beta metrics that you have like that, that that's super compelling what's I mean, your sample size so uh it's more than 500 users okay so really you're it's it's a customer acquisition play for for the retailer but beyond that you're sent you're going to be sending them extremely highly qualified high that's lifetime right. value and customers much you know, much more so than than almost any, anything else. So that's very compelling, and it's not necessarily even a quantity game at that level, particularly for higher end retailers. So so I think you can ultimately make a compelling case. And also all of the cognitive insights. So just from 500 users, we have more than half a million cognitive insights that we have accumulated over their usage. So knowing that what kind of, you know, different types of cuts and smaller things about, like very minute things about their their style and how they perceive clothing and fashion, which we can know on a per SKU level for a retailer, both in their online and offline stores. Of course, mm-hmm. the, the volume is less right now, but it's that level of insight that, that we've gathered. These are like small things that, are, that friends know or like yeah. family knows that, that she doesn't like that or, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, if the data is flowing both ways from you to the retailer, retailer back to you, um, obviously the Lily app is going to just um, exponentially grow quite quickly if you have the retailers on board. Um, you might even be able to sell through newsletter very effective as well. Um, newsletter has been a tremendous converter, and you might want to start betaing um, that area. I know you collect, you do a, a front-facing collection of emails. So all of the pickup and store desks at retail stores, where we are, we are getting footfall into their store, 
and so um and 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 the whole idea of of marketing lily to that distribution network all right let's take a quick break and when we come back much more uh with lily and uh, its co-founder purva gupta right here on fashion is your business and our on-air challenge right after this Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entreprenistapodcast.com. Welcome back to our second segment of Fashion Is Your Business and our on-air challenge with our guest, Purva Gupta, who is the co-founder of Lily. So um, you've been mentioning a couple of ways that you currently have the business model working in the beta, how the users used it. You were talking a little bit about pickup and store. Um, I think it might be useful to lay a landscape of every touchpoint Lily could work at, and then we can talk a little bit backwards from there. So I'm just going to really quickly run through all the ways I think this app could be useful just from what I'm hearing. Um, so, of course, you have the online purchasing. As as Pavan mentioned, right now that's driven through the app, but if you're able to do a personalized recommendation or at least a cohort recommendation, you could have a very successful email marketing business. Um, on top of that, you have, you said pick up and store, but you also can have, how do I find what I want inside of the store? You can also layer this into uh, the iPads and the recommendations that people have in the fitting room. So they're pulling the right complementary pieces for you um, from the service side in the store. Um, you can have uh, store and retailer recommendations as you're browsing a new city or, or layered on top of boutiques. Um, there's ways to put this so that it follows you across the entire web to make sure that as you're browsing, things come up. You can uh, do automatic sorts on top of existing sites, the way that we've seen with a couple of Chrome plugins. Um, and then overall, I think that you can basically become the um, the data feedback to brands on who exactly their customers are. As we look at major data plays like Cambridge Analytica, you could also plug into something like that where you're helping, you're that extra layer on top of the, the targeting analysis that allows you to hyper-target in a relevance way, not just in a, an emotional way. So that's kind of a landscape that I see, and there's a lot of different verticals and business models in there, and there's a lot of, that's sort of like a, in 10 years, sort of thing. Um, and I'd love to talk through where the where the highest profit margins are, where you can kind of touch people better or maybe get a relationship faster and so on. So I'd kind of like to kick off there. First, get your impressions, see if there's anything you think that's missing, and then uh, have Elon and Pavan jump into. Oh, I think you pretty much covered uh, the, the whole landscape. And just to kind of add um, just one more line about like 
our vision, which is basically to understand a woman's psychology, to be able to predict what products are going to make her happy. We've, of course, chosen like, uh, you know, fashion commerce as the first vertical to go after that. But everything that you're saying, it's all related to we get to understand the user truly in the way the user thinks about fashion and clothing for herself. To me, maybe just peeling apart one element um, there, the in-store experience, I think, is super compelling, primarily from the from the user um, standpoint. So the premise here is really body perception and and helping helping the customer with that and finding something that that aligns with that well. And so fit is obviously critical to that. And so that best happens either in home when you're trying it on or, right. or in the store. And I think that's also when you, that's the validating moment from the customer. That's it, the moment. Like it's, it's help at the time when you need it. Yep. And then also it clicks like, oh, this really works. Like I, I feel great. I look great, uh, but you need to actually fit into it physically to, right. to do that. That's so, right. so to me that it's only natural that that you want to play in in a store, particularly today, where a brick and mortar is going through a lot of challenges and trying trying out different things. And, and still, more than eighty percent is still bought in the store. Yeah, and there'll always be a, a huge portion Absolutely. bought bought physically. And so, so, so I think I, I think a solution there just makes makes a ton of sense. It's and also, also, just to mention that 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 piece is not possible without the retailers like tremendous support meaning again from an inventory perspective yes we have access to their inventory right now through different networks but at the same time to to really point the purchase back to them and for us to get um you know a cut out of that uh and 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 for that relationship to work uh it can only happen through these retail partnerships yeah absolutely i, I like um i like the idea of doing the dropship so there's platforms uh, such as Rev Cascade or Modalist, who we recently interviewed, um, that work directly with you know designers, brands, whatever it may be, and there's a bigger percentage chunk in there, right? It's not a pure affiliate model; it's a little bit more. It's as if you're selling the product uh, soup to nuts, and you know the brands are delivering it direct to consumer. There might be something there uh, with working with, yeah, that. What I see is that a network like that can actually give you access to the in-store inventory because they do some in-store pickup and they do some direct ship as well. So if, if you're able to look at in-store inventory, you actually could map it over, well, don't go to this store today because they have nothing that you would want. So you don't spend five hours inside of a store looking and end up disappointed, which interestingly enough, um, there's an incentive on the store side to give you that information because every time you go to a store and don't find something to buy, you're less likely to return to that store ever again. And it could just be because they're out of your size that day. Um, and so you, you have a very compelling reason to work with the stores, but I think you could actually push those relationships further if you're able to get that data from an external third party first yeah. and then actually go to them with in your store, this happened in the same well, way that we it, saw it's, Kira it's getting push, very it's yeah. very it's getting very common so sensors are analyzing emotional response to products um that was i think one of the biggest themes of the NRF this year is you know even intel coming out with the responsive retailer 100 million dollar initiative to essentially guide their 
you know, retailers, customers through a journey that makes sense for them. Absolutely. So just to add to that, Rob, exactly that's what we're doing. So all the data that we've gathered, and even though the volume is still less in terms of kind of the level that these retailers work, but that's exactly, those are the conversations we, that we're having with retailers now that from your store, these users, they bought this, this is what they did. So that's exactly the strategy that we're going after. And also to mention, uh, to, to kind of um, further add to your point, um, most of the tech that we, that at least we've seen so far in the in-store analytics uh, of, of either emotion or gesture or some of the, these things, these are still more external cues. But we're kind of going more on the, the how, what the woman is thinking. Why does she not like it? The exact reason. It's, it's, it's that color, it's that sleeve or the fact that she has two more and kind of like all of those things that are going on in her mind more from a why, why perspective. And so we're like more focusing on those types of things. You know, a collaboration with Kick might be very interesting. So Kick is a, a it's a chatbot, um, but they have tremendous engagement over 300, 300 million, million yeah. users. Um, and it seems to actually hit your target demographic the younger side of it, but it still hits it. Hits it perfectly. Um, I wonder if there is something where they can license or that you could work with Kick in order to that people could now not only chat with the community or their friends, uh, but also chat with Lily. And the one thing that I'm thinking is the algorithms you've built have a lot of value inside of them. So one of the biggest issues with Fit is preference. So yeah. yeah, you can physically get this on your body, but if you don't <laughs> like it, who get who exactly. cares? Right? I mean, that's the whole that's point. That's the whole thing. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole point of building Lily. That I buy based on my perception, no matter who you are and what yeah, you tell. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and absolutely. I may like spandex, and I may not. You know, like and and yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so what what I almost see is you could almost license out the algorithm itself too, to a lot of the startups that are tackling fit to a lot of the startups that are tackling these. Um, one of the big reasons fit fails is that so sell it to them. Um, and that's another way for you to, at the very least support your engineering costs as you build and, and scale. Um, it, it's not necessarily a, a robust model itself, but um, if you design it in such a way that you could, license it out, you could actually have a nice side revenue to support the business. To me, I think that's a question I'm having trouble grappling with. Since fit is so critical here and personal, and it's dealing with perception, so it's subjective, it's not objective, but the attributing is, is objective. How do you ensure that fit is personal, like a garment, especially from a designer, say, um, that's inconsistent season to season. So they don't cut the same way. They have different, they change their fit model, whatever reason, which is probably more typical than atypical now. How do, how do you make sure that um, basically the, the perceived fit is is actually what it is? Or how do you know that to recommend it? I, I think, you're, Elon, you're going a little a step beyond that. So if, if you're recommending, uh, Levi's is the best example. Levi's, they've been around forever. Mm -hmm. Recently, they started offering you to be able to say, I want a 1968 version of the 501. And they started doing that because the models had changed. So even it's the same fabric, it's the same cut, it's marketed the same, it's, but literally year to year, Their it fits on the body differently. And so an issue that I think the, the flag that Elon threw was that if you recommend something 
from a Calvin Klein and you knew that last year they loved this, you might get it wrong because they changed the way it falls at the store level. So how are you protecting yourself on that side? I understand how you're giving the recommendation, but it's it's actually a change at the store level that might affect you. And And your user won't care that it's the store. They're going to blame you. Absolutely. And there's one more component too. So you have, so you, you understand the, the user's perspective. So, um, kind of what's in their mind and you understand the, the, the objective attributes of, of, of uh, the physical item, but what you don't understand is their actual body measurements and, and, and body dimensions. So how do you then make sure what's recommended? We actually take that also in consideration. We ask the user over the journey where Lily is kind of, um, well, maybe Lily's struggling between the different things that the user is liking and disliking. She does ask measurements as well to, to, to take into account the actual reality, the perceived reality, so that then she can take that into account. And we have built our own calculators that help us kind of standardize across, across retailers. I mean, so here's the way that we think about this problem. So the, the absolute to the right level of fit is not really the is not really the main thing that we solve it's also what flatters your body and so we when we recommend sizing to our users we always rec- we always recommend two two sizes right and 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 so the reason that we do something like that is because it's not just about the exact fit you can try two different versions and get the exact fit if you like that that the item way of that clothing drapes, fundamentally, the way, that, yep, the way it drapes, the, the way it feels, like the whole construction of it. And so, so, so to answer your question, more from like, it's not really about getting the exact size right that, that might be different in how retailers do it. Um, but it's also about getting that, like mapping everything that we know about the user and to that item of clothing as to how, um, it will flatter them. That is like the 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 more, or that's like the thing that we focus on more. So, so that's an interesting solve to recommend more than one size because that uh, because because I do feel like it's not a problem that Lily has. This is a stand like this is a global problem in the industry, and rather than kind of trying to solve all problems right now for us, we're taking like one problem at a time. Completely, though, but the customer will think it's a problem with Lily, not with uh, someone else. Sure. Um, but that, I think that's a smart way to approach it, to to recommend multiple sizes. The only issue I see there, though, is that you're guaranteeing returns, and a lot of retailers don't have the process to take a return and put it back on the shelf. So in some cases, that's actually inventory loss for the, the retailer. So that actually may be harder to sell to a retailer to work with them. That That's a... I mean... That is honestly the purchasing pattern of people that are online exactly. shoppers anyway. Th- this is nothing that they're not used to or conditioned That's Yeah, right. but you're building it in. It's I, already, I mean, there's there's people trying well, to solve it. Well, it's suggested. It's not that they're necessarily buying both of That's them. That's right. It's suggesting two. And then based on that, I can go with the medium or I could go and with the And it's more yeah. around the fact that so that we don't lose the trust of the user. Because mm-hmm. that yeah. is so the you're hedging your bets. That, yeah. that not even the absolute most technical fit folks are also able to, to the point, right. yeah. 100 solve. And that's a good signal to the customer that things are inc- inconsistent. And so just, I think, the the nature of doing that give, gives you some, you know, some credibility. Sure. 
that. All right, that's a perfect moment to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, more with the co-founder of Lily, Purva Gupta, right here on the On Air Challenge on Fashion is Your Business. Be right back. Hi, I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Funny People Talking. And the other host is... Danielle Beckman, that's me. That, that's the other host. And our producer is Elsie. Say hi, Elsie. Hi. Okay, so you know how I know something's funny? When people laugh. <laughs> Every time they laugh, <laughs> you know it's funny. So that's the key to knowing when funny people are talking. Because when you say something funny, <laughs> people laugh. And you know what? On the show, funny people talking, people laugh. <laughs> Apparently more to me, Danielle, but you're still very funny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Check out Funny People Talking. It's a podcast on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. And it comes out every Monday. I think you'll enjoy it. Me and, too. Yeah. You know what happens when you enjoy it? You laugh. <laughs> Welcome back to our final segment of the on-air challenge on fashion is your business. And of course, we're here with Purva Gupta, the co-founder of Lily. In this segment, uh, each of our team members is going to go around and uh, give some reflections and and possibly some recommendations uh, related to Lily. Let's start with Rob. Yeah. So um, I'd like to just start by saying, I think this is really compelling. Um, What, what I'm interested in is you're at an interesting stage where you've sort of laid a good groundwork and you've tested, but you've tested in a way that's monetizable. And now it's a question, not so much of, do I have a business, but how do I maximize the profit inside of the business? Um, just really quick to, to hit on some stuff. Cause it, um, we have the numbers, but not everybody does. So right now over 500 users in the test, you're looking at 35% purchase rate, 15% repurchase rate, 9% return rate. I mean, that's actually not bad. No, Elon, that's pretty good. Elon, that's, um, that's low for apparel. That's very low. And then um, the liking rate is about 45% of impressions. Um, you have the cognitive insights you've mentioned uh, between a 50 to 70% open rate for the in-app and email. And then um, your process of inventory management is automated. So those are all pretty amazing to be coming out of, uh, out of a beta with, um, what I think is going to be interesting for you is to look at what can I do with what I've built, um, to both support the internal cash flow of the business, but at the same time, set you up to scale. And, um, you're, you're going to run into diminishing returns trying to negotiate with uh, every retailer on your own. There's just not only too many, but also they get so many inbounds from so many other people, but you have a compelling product. So I would look more at ways and platforms to leverage uh, reach to many uh, retailers rather than looking at doing it as a one-on-one negotiation. And the other thing I'm seeing is that from a user side, this needs to be in my life ubiquitously. It cannot be something that is a separate app to go to when I want to purchase. It needs to be a friend. And a friend isn't only available when I'm going to check out at Nordstrom's, right? Like a friend is always available. Um, So you have to keep that uh, standpoint or like that thought process in there. So I look at ways that you can become a platform or become a technology that other people use so that there's more value to the user inside of the experience. All right, uh, Elon, do you want to go next? Sure, um, I'll focus on on the retailer side of it. So, f- first of all, within that context, the the customer. So, 
to better um, or to improve the customer experience, I think inventory by door is um, probably one of the, the key data points as well as return data, um, purchase data in general, but return data. So I think all those are elements that, that you'll want to have directly and in real time. And your your carrot is that basically you're going to be a super affiliate at a minimum um, with metrics like you have in your test. And maybe with key retailers, you, you, you do actually negotiate directly and, and, and integrate directly and, and also therefore take a, a better margin. Um, affiliate as a business model, it's, it's going to be hard to, to make money outside of massive scale. The other element, um, and this is an alternate business model, but really licensing the the IP or or, or the technology, um, and then finally, and I think this could be the most interesting, is the the analytics and 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 the data side of it. And so that there there are multiple parties. There's retailers, uh, multi brand retailers, but the brands themselves. I think that's where it could be particularly valuable because you're really delving into. It, the mindset of their customer and understanding the why. And if you could give that back to them in a way that they can use, that's hugely valuable from a product development standpoint, from um, a testing standpoint, from um, their CRM and marketing and personaing and, 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 and everything. So that's, that's incredibly valuable information. And that literally could be uh, its own, its own business right there. Um, also one thought I want to leave you with is that um, I've seen this with a couple of companies where they have a very good model, but a lot of competitors. So in this case, you are an app that sells things. There are a lot of other people that are apps that sell things, but what you have that no one else has is really what you should be selling. So in your case, it's emotional intelligence. So what I would say is find a way to sell that. And I don't mean sell that to a consumer in the marketing side. I mean, actually sell, um, the emotional intelligence as a plugin for other businesses, because that's going to be a uh, robust business model. To put it in perspective, um, a, a company I know was competing. They were probably a $5 million company a year, and they were competing with a lot of other people that um, did payments processing. When they switched to selling uh, a segment of payments processing that they were the only people in the world that could do, their business prospects shot up to about $250 million almost immediately in that, in that year. And so you are emotional intelligence. That's what you should be selling. And find a way to sell it as a license, sell it as a, a plugin for other people, and become the standard for that for the industry. All right. And finally, Plubbin. Yeah, I guess uh, from my side, I'll come in with the angles of collaboration. Um, and and these are all, everyone that I'll suggest here. The company names I'll suggest here. I will send for an opt-in introduction because uh, pretty bullish or very bullish on what you're doing with uh, Lily. So with that said, I do think that on to couple off of Elon, the the retail the retail introductions are going to be massive. I think that um, multi-brand retailers like uh, you know a Saks is going to eat this up if you can implement smoothly. Um, so that's someone that I would want to send it out to their digital team. Um, on the luxury side, I think luxury retailers would really find this interesting. Um, I think that you should have a, a chat with one of our past guests, uh, Michael Crooks of uh, Gucci. Um, his background's actually in cognitive psychology, and I think that you guys would have an incredible um, conversation on this topic on how luxury can um, leverage 
your insights that you're gathering and maybe take that to Annette Porte. <clears throat> On the chat side, I think there's a huge opportunity with Kick. Um, uh, Jacqueline Ling was a a guest of our show as well. Um, and this seems like this is something that's perfect to, to get your, to get Lily, let me, uh, you know, she has a personality. So to get Lily, um, exposed and, and make a lot of friends, uh, on the analytics side, really, really interesting. So Rob had mentioned Cambridge Analytica, they have a, a database of over, you know, four to 5,000, uh, data points on every registered user in America, and that's about 240 to 260 million people. Um, they have a lot of the um, the user, you know, uh, social and economic uh, data on everybody. Uh, they also allow for targeted marketing and hyper targeting in a very very unique way. So that could be interesting there. Uh, yeah, otherwise, Watson as well. What's that? Watson as well. Yeah. So I was going to get to that. So um, also um, on. The analytics to stay with the analytics side, uh, trendalytics would be really interesting. Karen Moon um, and stylelytics with Rohan. So the, you know, putting together those uh, different outfit suggestions uh, based on another level of having Lily integrated within their um, their software. Um, I know you mentioned in store pickup. Um, I think these drop ship, uh, as mentioned earlier, these drop ship marketplaces or uh, softwares are are so powerful, um, and if you can help, you know, um, users of Rev Cascade and Moda List and things like that to get more intelligent in their recommendations, that could be very, very interesting. And in that same vein, um, reaching out to, you know, like Shopify Plus to seeing if there is a uh, enterprise level solution that they could pay on top for Lily to be integrated into their retail relationships. Uh, and then uh, last but surely not least... Um, you know, we spoke with the head of responsive retail for Intel recently, and they are looking for things just like this. And I think that would be a productive conversation to have um, as they are looking to support different um, innovative groups that are building kind of in the same ecosystem, but separate separate pieces to that. Um, so they're kind of creating that nucleus package for uh, large, large um, clients of theirs. And another great potential partner would be Neiman Marcus. So I'd love to connect you to uh, Scott Emmons over there. And, uh, you know, going back to the same vein as multi-brand retailers, uh, the shopping apps, they're huge, right? Uh, Spring would be a, a really interesting one. Um, and, uh, you know, the guilt groups of the world. So there, there's a ton more <laughs> that but there's no need to to list off every multi-brand retailer that exists on on mobile but uh those could be very very interesting because um you know the 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 attention is so like i mean to capture someone's attention it's it's milliseconds right so if you could help them hook in a client early and convert that's tremendous so that's on my side all right, and uh, let's finish out with this. Um, what would be sort of a, a final thought about your business that you'd like to put out? You've already given the elevator pitch. What would be like that last moment, that last thought you'd like to leave with someone as they think about your story and, and your journey going forward? Absolutely. We So Lily is built by a team of five women. Um, and, and through our journey in the last two years, what we have fundamentally, or the core that we fundamentally believe in is that I mean, 
why do we keep buying more and more clothes every now and then? Like, why do women keep buying so many more clothes? There's a lot of other things that talk about identity of a woman, but why clothes so much more? And and to from all the research as well, what we really found is that we're buying more and more clothes to be able to feel our best in the situation we are in or preparing for. And so if it's all about that feeling that we get that, okay, from this new top or this new dress, um, I'm going to look so much better than everything else in my wardrobe. Then if it's about some of those feelings, then then we think that we can absolutely, um, you know, our product totally takes care of those things. And so Lily is fundamentally all about uh, a woman feeling her best at all times as she's going through the buying experience. Great. And how can people connect with Lily? And how can people connect with you directly if, if you'd like to invite them? Absolutely. Here? So um, so as we're launching our private beta, please feel free to go to www.getlilyapp.com. And um, I'm very happy to... Uh, in fact, both me and Lily, we are very happy to talk to you. So I am P-U-R-V-A Purva at getlilyapp.com. And you can directly talk to Lily, L-I-L-Y, at getlilyapp.com. And also, what kind of uh, folks are you looking to connect with right now for the business? So as is very evident from this conversation, number one, retailers, uh, retail partners. Um, the second thing would also be that as we are getting into the next phase of business where we give it to people, so... Uh, you know, more industry experts from fashion, media folks who would be interested to talk about Lily, share with their audience. So those are the people that I'm looking to connect with. All right. That is it for this episode uh, of Fashion is Your Business and our on-air challenge. And uh, a big thank you uh, to you, Purva Gupta, the co-founder of Lily. Thanks for giving us this opportunity to talk with you and uh, for joining us today on the show. It's absolutely my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. All right. Best of luck with Lily and everything else Thanks. that you'll have going forward. So that's it for this episode, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. And for Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. Pub and Ball. Take it easy, guys. And the uh, estimable, uh, is that the word? Uh, Elon Tito. I don't know, but I'll dig it. Thank you, everybody. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.